0: Oh, okay. Treasure. my share
1: Well, good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Glad that you're with us here today. Welcome to our 930 service. If you are a guest with us, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's so great to have you worshiping with us today. We're going to jump in and get started together, all right? But first, for you as a guest, we'd love to connect with you. And the best and easiest way to do that, like I say every week, is to simply grab your cell phone right now and text the word CONNECT the number on the screen 910-424-1298 just text connect hit send we'll send you a link tap on that answer a couple of quick questions it's just so we can know who you are how we can pray for you Uh, in any way we're not going to spam you or show up on your doorstep at three o'clock this afternoon we just want to know that you're here and how we can love on you and pray for you in the best way possible. So if you're a guest, text that in, connect so we can know who you are and how we can minister to you in the best way we possibly can. But for everyone else, we got our big three announcements. What's going on around here? We want everyone to be able to stay connected and plugged in during these summer months. So our big three things we have going on are this. Number one. Men's Fellowship Breakfast. That's going to be August 7th, Saturday morning, August 7th at 8 o'clock. Guys, if you want to come be a part of that, just text BREAKFAST to our number, 910-424-1298, so we can get a good number of how many to prepare for. So, guys, August 7th, 8 a.m., text BREAKFAST to sign up for that. Number 2 Deacon nominations, we've been telling you about that the last couple of weeks. In August, we're going to explain how you can give us some names, uh, nominations for potentially serving as a deacon. But we just want to spend a couple of weeks here asking you to pray for that, looking over scriptures like Acts 6 and 1 Timothy 3, seeking the Lord about who could potentially serve in that role as a servant here at Southview. So if you have some ideas about that, in a couple of weeks you'll be able to share those with us. So be in prayer about that. And then third is this. Next Sunday, after the 11 o'clock service, we're going to have a quick family church family business meeting in the Family Life Center about some renovations that we're going to be doing uh, involving carpet and painting and everything except the sanctuary, all right? So you've got a letter in the back that can give you a little bit of information on that. If you have any questions, you're going to come straight to me and ask anything that you like. And if I don't have an answer, I will help you find the person who does. And we'll get together next Sunday after the 11 o'clock service to uh, vote on that as a church family and uh, move forward with it, all right? So don't forget those three things. Now, for every other thing that we have announcement-wise, you can download the app southview uh, baptist church app itunes or google play that's how you're also going to give online you can do that uh giving online you can download sermon notes find any other announcements sign up for things all of that stuff through the app so we encourage you to find that so you can be plugged in and connected but for us today as we're worshiping together i want to read a scripture to you that i think can kind of set the tone just a little bit because um by by nature of what i do this is a it can be a little weird, right? I, I stand up in front of people for a living and talk. And so there's a little bit of weirdness in that. And in American Christianity, we have created this culture where a lot of times church is a place where you show up to be taught, which is true. You show up to be administered to, which is true. But a lot of times it just ends there. And what, what we want you to understand is this. You are called to have a personal, growing, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. Therefore, you are personally responsible for that, right? Um, To some degree, I will have to stand and give an account for the flock that God has given me to shepherd. But you're going to have to stand and give an account for you. So in that, how are you personally taking responsibility to seek after the Lord? You know, there's an interesting scripture in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 17, God is laying out his, uh, basically his rules for how his kingdom, Israel, was going to function on earth. And here's what he said to the king. He said, whenever you set up a king, here's what they're going to have to do. Deuteronomy chapter 17. Listen to what his command for the king was. Every king. Verse 18. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom... He shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priest. So here's what that means. Every king had to sit down and by hand copy word for word their copy of the Bible. Right? He, he could not go to Amazon and get one shipped to him. Right? He had to sit down and word by word copy every single letter for his own personal Bible. And here's why. Verse 19. And that shall be with him, and he shall read it in all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them. That his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, that he may not turn aside from the commandment, either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children. In Israel Here's the big idea Every king had to be responsible for their own personal walk with the Lord And the best way God knew for them to do that was for them to be responsible To from day one of their kingship sit down and carve out a certain amount of time every day Just writing out their own version of the Bible And that does a couple of things right number one You can't say, I didn't read that part. You literally wrote it down, dude. Yes, you did. You're responsible, right? It's it's now something that you have heard, received, copied down, and are now bearing responsibility for. I got a buddy of mine that actually took this up as a challenge and did this for himself so he can give it to his kids. He sat down, Genesis 1-1, and just started copying every word of the Bible so that he could have his own copy, that he did it in his own hands and be able to say, I've gone through every word of this in such detail that I literally had to read and copy, read and copy. I'm going to be honest with you, I am not doing that. Wow, what an amazing practice again not saying that you have to now sit down and carve out an hour every day to start copying word for word the bible but the the takeaway is this are you taking personal responsibility for your walk with the lord are you taking responsibility for you and you notice also the reason that the king would had to do this was so that the people of god would continue to follow and that his children would continue to follow there's something about This man taking responsibility for his walk with the Lord that was going to impact those around him as well. Have you stepped up and said, I will take personal responsibility to seek after God in my own life? I want to encourage us towards that today. I want to ask you to bow your heads. I want to pray for us. And you know, you can sit in this room with two very different mindsets. Some of us are sitting in this room today because this is you taking responsibility. You say, hey, look, as a follower of Jesus, someone to seek to follow after Jesus, I I want to be with God's people. I want to worship. I want to be under the teaching of the word. I want to have people in my life who are going to encourage me and love me and call me out occasionally when I need it. And so this is you taking responsibility. But can we be honest? There's others of you sitting in this room right now. You're sitting in this room not because you're taking responsibility but because you're not and this is your version of having me pour something into you and you're not actually seeking it on your own at all I want to encourage you today to repent of that repent of that say Lord I I'm not just gonna stand around and have someone else force feed me things I I'm going to pursue you with all my heart all my soul on my mind, and on my strength. And I'm going to ask you to do in me what only you can do as I chase after you. God, I pray that you would raise that up here in this room. A church full of God chasers who don't just check off a box and call themselves a Christian, but who have an intimate, vibrant, growing relationship with you and they pursue you pray God that you would raise us up and I pray God you'll start right now here today as we sing as we worship as we stand and sing how you're going to actively pursue God right now is by you not just staring as other people sing but you actively engaging and opening your mouth right that's going to be you taking part in this As we pray, you're not just having your mind run 1,000 miles an hour, but you're engaging as we pray. As we read the word today, you're not just checking your Facebook feed while we're doing that, but you're engaging in the scriptures. That's you taking ownership. I pray, God, that you would do this in us more and more and more. Raise us up as God chasers. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Good morning, church. Stand with us. Let's celebrate. Let's sing of the God of the universe, our Lord and Savior, the name above all names, Jesus the Christ, who has given us a reason to sing and to hope and to worship. Let's sing. There is a truth. i mm-hmm. seat of church
1: amen 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 have a seat if you will guys as you're doing that I want to ask Cherith if she could come up so uh, a couple months ago I introduced you to Cherith and she's one of our college students and shared with you how the Lord had really worked on her heart and called her to step out of school for a little bit and take a year to do missions overseas and uh so presented that before you and let you know that's what god was calling you to do her to do and gave you an opportunity to help with that uh she had raised fifteen thousand uh, dollars to fund the the mission efforts the trip all of that for the year and uh by god's grace that has been met so praise the lord for that And not only that, um, the missions organization that she's going with said, we've never had anyone 100% funded as fast as you got 100% funded. So that, I think, goes in large part to obviously God. Thank you. uh, just praise God so much for that. But thank you for that. You played a huge role in that and being able to accomplish that. So Cherith is heading off. When do you leave? August 23rd. So she's got about a month. Uh, And she's going to be heading out. So I wanted her to come up and let us take a minute and pray for her, all right? She's got a lot to do in the next few weeks getting ready. uh, So I wanted to grab her on a Sunday uh, and let her come up here and let us just pray over her before she heads off. Also, uh, if you go to the welcome desk in the back, we have some of her cards. You can grab that. You'll be able to keep up with her on social media to see how the year is going and how we can be updated for praying for her and all those sorts of things. Uh, But we want to take just a minute and pray for her, all right? So what I'd like for you to do is uh, I'm going to be praying for her. I want you to kind of stretch out your hands, all right? So stretch out your hands like you're praying for her, okay? So you can do that. I'm going to pray for her. You're going to pray for her. God's really amazing. He hears all of us at the exact same time. So we're all going to be praying together, lifting Cherith up as she is heading out on this mission here in a few weeks, all right? So let's just lift Cherith up to the Lord. God, I just thank you for Cherith. I thank you, God, just for your calling on her, on her life. I thank you, God, that you um, saved her. Number one, God, you just uh, you made her new in you, Jesus. I thank you for that. You drew her to you, God. You and you you drew her to a, a a greater desire for you. She was a believer, but there was even a, a greater a next level you had for her that you called her to. I thank you, God, for that. And in the process of all of that, you called her out on this year long mission, God, and she said yes and i thank you lord for that so i pray god your blessings on her as she goes out god obviously you ask that you protect her as she travels uh, as she goes to places she's never been in her life and interacts with people she's never met i pray god that you go before her and protect her um but lord also god that you would uh not just keep her safe but i pray god that you'll make her dangerous for the kingdom Uh, that you would empower her, God, to go out. And she's going to see people come to faith in you. She's going to see the the spiritual chains be broken off of people. She's going to see people made new in you, Jesus. She's going to be able to minister to the saints around the world. I pray, God, that you would empower her in this, Lord, in that she's going to be able to come home, um, not just full of stories of the great things she saw you do in other people but absolutely changed from what you did in her through the process. God, and I pray for us as a body, God, that you would raise up more and more and more like her, God. That would say, I'll be willing to step out of my life and what is normal for me right now and go be a part of something bigger. I pray, God, that you will raise more and more and more up like that, God. I pray your blessings on her. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can you give her one more big hand? We're so thankful for her. Thank you so much, Sheriff. We are so... So excited, so excited for what God is doing in, in Cherith and can't wait to hear all the great stories when she comes back home. Uh, hey, if you've got a Bible, let's find Acts chapter 16 together, all right? Acts 16. So here's going to be the big question for today. Big question for today is, who becomes a Christian? Right? What is a Christian, someone who becomes a Christian, what do they look like? And what's that process look like, how someone comes to faith in Christ? What we're going to see today in Acts 16 is, so the Apostle Paul, he's got his missionary team, and through a series of events, God leads him to an area called Macedonia. And as they go into Macedonia, the first city they come to is a city called Philippi. They go into Philippi, and what we're going to see today is they meet three very, very different people from three very, very different backgrounds who all come to faith in Jesus in three very, very different ways. And the whole idea for today is this. Listen to me very carefully. Here's the whole point of today. It doesn't matter who you are, how jacked up you think you are, what your life has been coming up to this point, or what even your life is going to be moving forward. Jesus Christ wants to show you today That he came to make you new. And it's not that you have to fit into a mold like everybody else. It's not that you have to to clean yourself up before you can come to faith in Jesus. He's not asking you to, um, to get it straight and get it figured out and clean yourself up and then you can come talk to me. What we're going to see today is Jesus jumps into three very, very different lives with three very, very different people and interacts with them with three very, very different ways, but the end goal for all of them is the same. They are radically made new by Jesus Christ, and that gets to be your story today also, all right? Very good. So let's jump in. We're going to pick it up in verse 13. Acts 16, we're going to start in verse 13. We're going to meet our first person, all right? So, verse 13. This is Paul and his boys, they're going through Philippi, and this is kind of them recounting that story. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there would be a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. All right, real quick, let me give you just a little bit of context, okay? So, in Jewish law, you have to have 10 Jewish men in a city to be able to start a synagogue. All right, so you got an entire city. You got to find at least ten guys who are Jewish, who love God, and want to start a church. And boom, you can start a church. If you can't find ten men in the entire city, you scour the entire city. You can't find ten dudes who love God and say, "Yeah, I'd like to see a church in this town." You can't find that. Then the ladies would be allowed to go to a, a place of water because they had baptism and and ritual rites and things like that, they could go to a place of water and have a prayer service. So apparently that's what's happening here. You couldn't find 10 godly men in the entire metropolitan city of Philippi. All right? If you're a single lady and you're saying, "I I can't find one good godly single man in this town, the ladies of Philippi go, I hear you, sister. All right? We're working on it. Give us some time, okay? But that's where we are. So, no godly men in the town, can't find anybody, but there are a handful of ladies who want to serve the Lord, so they're going to the river to have a prayer service. Paul goes into the city, sees there's no synagogue, all the guys here are idiots, let's go find the ladies, okay? So they go and they find these ladies by the river, verse 14. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia. Lydia. From the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who is a worshiper of God. Listen to this. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. All right, so here's our first person we're going to meet, Lydia. Lydia is... A rock star all right she is um, financially very well off she's morally upright she tries to live her life in a good uh, way she's she's she understands there's something about God that's important so she's going to church right so it says that she's a seller of purple it was a big thing purple dye was very expensive and so the only people who wore purple were people who were well off and this lady is a seller of purple so basically what that means is she's a fashionista right she is a fashion mogul modern day she'd be jet setting between new york london paris and milan on the fashion circuit lydia is a big deal right so financially she's very well off. She's got a house in Philippi. She's got a house in Thyatira. It's like she's got a house in New York and in LA just for whatever she feels like, all right? This is Lydia, very financially well off, and she's apparently, it calls her a worshiper of God. She's not a believer yet. She's a Gentile. She's not a believer yet, but there's something about her where she knows God's important, God's significant. I need to, so there's something about him that I want, and so she's pursuing the lord this is lydia does well in life obeys the rules tries to be a good person she even attends church however as she's at a church service one day this new preacher shows up and he says to her i'm glad that you're obeying the rules and that's great but you obeying the rules isn't going to be good enough you need someone to save you and his name is Jesus. And it says that her heart is open, she receives that, and she becomes a Christian. So how many of you, you would say your testimony is similar to Lydia, right? Good person, grew up in church, tried your best to obey the rules, and then one day, probably sitting in church, right, Sunday night service, you're sitting there, the preacher's sharing the gospel, and you're going, oh my goodness, this is me, i got to walk down front and i got to get saved. How many of you, that's kind of your story? Anybody? Awesome, hands up, perfect. That's my story too. Good guy. For me growing up, being bad was stupid. That didn't make any sense to me, right? I was like, wait, wait, wait. Let me see if I can track with this. If I do good things, I get a reward. If I do bad things, I get punished. I think I'm going to do good stuff, right? That just made sense to me, right? So I just did it. So I was a good kid. And then sitting in church one day. My heart was opened by God, and I realized, you know what, being good isn't good enough. Even though I don't physically do things that other people may do, in my heart I'm still a sinner, and I need Jesus to save me, and Jesus Christ saved me and made me new. This is Lydia. Good person, did her best, obeyed the rules, went to church, but one day God opened up her heart, and she realized I needed Jesus Christ to save me and make me new. She received him, and she was saved. Then we meet our second person. Our second person, we pick it up in verse 16. The second person is drastically different than Lydia. Verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer again the next day, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. So this is a demon-possessed, fortune-telling slave girl. Right? Right? So, again, this second person is very different from Lydia, right? Lydia is a um, a very well-off entrepreneur. This girl is a slave. Lydia tried very hard to be good. This girl was literally possessed by the devil, right? Lydia went to church, heard the gospel, and her heart was immediately open to receive This girl hears Paul preaching and she runs around mocking him, right? So when it says there in verse 17 that she's running around him saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. She's not like, it's not that Satan is Paul's amen corner. She's mocking him, right? She's running around going, oh, everybody look at the servants of God. This is the way of salvation. Right? Lydia one way this girl very 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 different and i love it comes to the point verse 18 where it says paul uh, having become greatly annoyed i love that got to the point where he's just like you know what no i'm done so what did he do he said to the spirits, i command you in the name of jesus christ come out of her and it came out that very hour there's a lot we don't know about this girl Right? Uh, how did she become demon-possessed? Was this something that was placed onto her, something she grew up in, something she chose in her own volition to do? How long has she been demon-possessed? What's going on in her life? How does she become a slave? What's go- we don't. There's a lot we don't know, but what we know is this. This is a young girl who is deeply, deeply, deeply oppressed. Spiritually, financially, uh, 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 socially, she is the lowest of the low. And for many of us, We relate. Now, I'm not going to ask if there are any demon-possessed, fortune-telling slave girls in the room. Of course, then again, this is Fayetteville, so we may have a couple, I don't know. But I think there are people in the room that can relate. You know what it's like to be in bondage to something. Let's just be honest. You know what it's like to be a slave. A slave to an addiction, a slave to a sin, a slave to your anger, a slave to your habitually wrong choices? Have you ever gone through a season in your life where you feel like, if there is a landmine, I'm going to figure out a way to step on it? Like you just can't seem to get out of your own way? You blow up every relationship, every situation. If there's a good choice and a bad choice, you are just dead set on picking the bad one almost like you're enslaved to it what we're going to see with this young girl is just like us some of us are in bondage to um, drugs or alcohol or money or sex or whatever the case may be this girl was in bondage she could not get free even if she wanted to you ever felt that way like you want to get free, but you feel like you just can't. You're just stuck doing this thing over and over and over and over. What well, we see with this slave girl is, there came a point where Jesus Christ supernaturally stepped into her life and said, I am going to set you free. I'm going to set you free from what has held you. I'm going to set you free from what has enslaved you. I'm going to set you free from all of the bonds that have been wrapped around you. I'm going to set you free. And she came to realize that Jesus Christ came and died and rose again, not just to take away her sin, but to set her free from the power of it. Brothers and sisters, I know there are people in this room, that's your story, and it is awesome, isn't it? Jesus Christ set you free free i love talking to people who say look if you'd have met me 10 years ago you would not have liked me right i was a different cat i was doing a lot of stuff i was i was enslaved and jesus set me free for some of you in this room today you're still needing to be set free i want you to know jesus christ can do that for you as well and then real quick we meet our third person so after Paul uh, delivers this girl from the demon, uh, her slave owners realize, our way of making money is now gone, right? So this girl was being demonically empowered to foretell the future, and people were using that to, to line their own pockets with money. Now that that demon's gone, they realize this girl can't do this for us anymore. So they get mad. They, they bring up these trumped-up charges against Paul and Silas that are coming in here, breaking the law, encouraging other people to break the law. They set them before the magistrates. The magistrates agree with them. They beat them and throw them in prison. And this is where we meet our third person. Pick that up in verse 22. All right? So here's our third person that we meet. Verse 22. Or 23, I'm sorry. Pick it up verse 23. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them in prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. All right, so our third person is a person that if you've been around church long, you know him as the Philippian jailer, right? So this Philippian jailer. So historically speaking, a lot how it would happen is these positions of of overseeing these jails, a lot of times they were given to Roman army officers, who served well for many years in the army, and they're giving these jails as sort of like a congratulations retirement gift, right? You worked hard for the empire, traveling the world, bringing the peace of Rome. So as a result, we're going to give you this jail. You get to settle down and have a family and just oversee this jail. All hell, Caesar. So that's probably what this guy is, right? High-ranking, decorated war officer, who is now given this jail in Philippi, this Roman colony, to oversee. However, though, what's pretty clear early on is this dude has issues. And you notice it if you kind of pick apart 23 and 24 and see what's going on. So look at verse 23. What's the command that he's given by the magistrates? Verse 23, keep them safely, right? We're going to give them, they've already been beaten. Now they hand them over to the the, the guard, uh, the, the this this prison uh, uh, guard uh, and said just keep them safe make sure nothing happens to them and they don't run away right that's it and what does this man respond how does he handle that verse 24 his response is he puts them in the inner prison and fastens their feet in stocks let's unpack that for a second so in roman jails you'd have a kind of the first floor is this kind of um normal jail cells where you put everyone and then there's an inner prison underneath where they would put the worst of the worst, and that was a horrible place to be, because, as the other prisoners used the bathroom, it fell on top of you, right You basically were put in the sewer, and then it says they he fastened their feet in stocks, and that's not like I know you're thinking like your family took you to Williamsburg when you were ten, and you and your brother got a picture of you in that wooden thing doing that. It's not what it is, all right? These stocks were these kind of uh, uh restraints that put your arms and legs in a certain way where you were lifted up off the ground and, and 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 your body was contorted it was designed to not only hold you in place but torture you in the process right it's a miserable miserable place to be so all this man was told was keep them safe and in response he completely overshoots this thing throws them in the sewer and fastens him up in stocks what we see with this and, and 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 this may be a little bit of conjecture on my part but i think i think you can see it this is a guy who has spent at this point probably decades in war decades of seeing pain and heartache and death and it has completely jacked him up and now his response is explosions and anger now his response is every situation deserves a nuclear bomb to fix it and so here he is overseeing this prison he's given these preachers they've already been beaten within an inch of their lives and what's his response keep them safe <laughs> i'll keep them good and safe i got it and, and not only things involving military life, but, but what also there could be things that happen in your life, traumas, issues, things you go through that completely warp you to see God, yourself, the world completely different now, right? That's what we think was happening here with this Philippian jailer. Whatever has happened in his life has completely warped him to now he is responding in outburst of anger, he's responding in violence, He's completely blowing up every situation. Why? Probably because he's been wounded and broken from something in his past. And the same is true, I think, for people in this room. Militarily speaking, there are people in this room, you have walked through some serious things. We call it PTSD today, right? When our parents, when our fathers and grandfathers came home from Vietnam and Korea and World War II, they didn't call it that. They just said dad was different, right? And so he doesn't talk much like he used to, and he, he drinks a lot now. But, but now we understand things a little bit more, and we, we, we try to help men and women walk through that. But there are people in this room that have experienced some really difficult things, and it's, let's be honest, it's, it's warped a little bit of how you see God in the world now. But it doesn't just have to be that, it doesn't have to be military things. Things can happen in your life. People in this room have experienced horrific abuse people in this room know what it's like to lose loved ones people in this room know what it's like to have people that you care for and love deeply murdered people in this room know what it's like to have someone that you loved and trusted completely walk away from you and abandon you and what happens when that when when that goes on in our life it it can warp us so now we see god differently We see ourselves differently. We see the world. Everything is through that lens. Like you put on sunglasses and everything has a different tint to it. You put on those wounded glasses and everything looks different. Now you see everything through the wound. What do we do about that? Well, you see what happened with this guy. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. So listen. They're in stocks in the sewer. And what are they doing? (laughs) They're praying and singing hymns to God. Wow. And what happens as a result, verse 26, when suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. So an earthquake happened. Everyone's Bonds, everyone's handcuffs, everyone's shackles fell off. Prison doors came flying open. Verse 27, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. So in that day, if you were the prison guard and the prisoner escaped, you had to take on whatever sentence that prisoner had. He knew Paul and Silas were going to be killed more than likely, and so he was just going to go ahead and do it himself. But, verse 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. How amazing is that? Paul and Silas show this jailer grace and mercy. A grace and mercy they show to him that this guy never showed to them, right? Even though he abused them and mistreated them, and even though he put them in the most dehumanizing, degrading, horrific, torturous situation he could possibly put them in, they respond back with grace And mercy and compassion. And what happens as a result? Verse 29. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31. They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. This is a man who, again, he had experienced some horrific things in his life, it had completely warped him. But through the grace and mercy and compassion shown to him by Paul and Silas, he receives and sees the grace and mercy and compassion of Jesus Christ and is saved. And how many of you, this is you? Let's just be honest. Again, I'm not going to make you raise your hand. But How many of you, this is you? There are things in life that really busted you up pretty good. And it completely warped the way you see everything. It changed you. I want you to see, just like with this man, there is hope for you. Jesus Christ desires to heal that wound, and to make you new. To heal what has been broken inside of you. Give you a brand new heart, a brand new spirit as you follow him. I think about my wife, Marie. So when she was a baby, her dad left her family just gone never looked back she's never physically laid eyes on him and as you can imagine for a young girl growing up that was tough and as you can imagine for a young girl growing up this warped the way that she saw things if my dad's not going to be there for me is god going to be there for me my dad left me maybe i'm worthy to be left maybe maybe he should have left me if he left me maybe everybody else is going to leave me right so it's it's a wound it's something significant that happens that completely warps the way you now see god yourself everyone else around you but when she came to faith in christ and god began to grow her in him and began to show her that he was her good dad regardless of what the other dad did It took that, so imagine you got like a board and you ever had a board that get warped, right? And so what happened is God just supernaturally straightened that board out in her heart. And so now she didn't see things warped anymore. She saw them through the lens of who God really is. So for you, do you need God to, to bring true healing to your heart, to straighten it out so that you really see him for who he is? What you see in this is Lydia, right? Good rule-following Lydia that came to a point where she realized, I can't follow the rules enough, I need Jesus Christ to make me new. A demon-possessed, fortune-telling slave girl who was completely in bonds and completely oppressed and had no hope of ever escaping, and Jesus Christ stepped in and delivered her out of that. And a wounded, broken, angry jailer who needed Jesus Christ to show him grace and mercy and bring healing to that heart wound that he'd been carrying around for so long. Are you one of these people? Or maybe you're kind of a combination of all of it, right? Dad was an absolute jerk and it completely warped you. But your way of dealing with it is? I'm going to be the dad he never was. I'm going to be there for my kids. I'm going to obey the rules. I'm going to be a good guy. I'm not going to be the bum that he was. I'm going to be different. And so now you're kind of a mix. you got a jailer with a Lydia, right? You're kind of a, a combination. Maybe that's, I think, probably a lot of us. We don't necessarily fit nice, nice and neat into every little category. We're a, we're a mixed up little little bunch. But what I want you to see as you walk through this is no matter where your heart is, no matter what has brought you here to this point today, Jesus Christ desires to save you and make you new. And Jesus Christ can save you and make you new. And not only for the people in this room right now, but we're surrounded in a city full of Lydia's and and demon-possessed slave girls and angry, overblown jailers. we got a city full of them. And we're called by God to be changed by Him and then go out and proclaim the gospel so that they can be changed as well. So real quick, let me show you this. How do we reach these people? How do we reach a Lydia? How do we reach a slave girl? How do we reach a jailer? So first, let me show you this. Um, There are some people out here who are already being stirred up by God. These are the Lydia's. right? These are people who are... um, trying to be good persons they believe in god they try to attend church they they want their kids to live good moral lives they may even call themselves a christian but don't really know christ they haven't really been changed by christ so how do we reach these people well very simply for these people they're open to the things of god Invite them to church. Invite them to church. Barna Research Group says that 75% of people who fit in this category will attend church if you just ask them. On big days like Christmas and Easter, around 90% will come if you just ask. Something Marie and I have done is we started a Bible study in our neighborhood and just threw it out on the neighborhood Facebook page and just said, hey, If you're interested in spiritual things, you're interested in learning about Christianity, we're going to open up our house, we're going to put dinner on for everybody, just come. You don't have to be a Christian, you don't have to have the answers, we're not going to embarrass you or call you out, but if you're just interested in learning, come hang out. We had like 12 people from our neighborhood show up. You're like, I'd be interested in that. They're all around us. Lydia's, who are, God's starting to stir in their hearts already, but we're just... We got our blinders on for our own lives. We never think to engage with them and just say, hey, you want to come to church with me? They'll come if you ask. And then by God's grace, the Lord will open up their heart and they'll they'll receive. So do you know anyone in your life who's a Lydia? Start praying for them now and invite them. Ask them to start reading the Bible with you one-on-one. Invite them to church with you. God's already stirring in their hearts. Jump in and engage with them. But here's the problem, though. For the vast majority of churches in America, our evangelism efforts stop there. Right? When we talk about sharing your faith, basically what we say is, invite people to church with you. And that's good for the Lydia's. That's good for that third. But there's a large swath of people that aren't going to come if you invite them, right? The slave girl is going to mock you, and the jailer is going to cuss you out. So how do we engage with those people? For the slave girls these are people who are enslaved these are people struggling with addictions they're struggling in bad marriages they're consistently making the wrong decisions over and over and over hurting themselves and everybody else around them these are people who feel stuck in their own consequences these are people that maybe there's stuff going on in their life that had nothing to do with them they didn't make that decision but it just got thrown onto them so now they're just stuck in it because of somebody else's choices and sinful decisions If you walk up to these people and say, hey, I'd love for you to come to church, they're going to look at you and say, you don't want me in your church. If you knew who I really was, you would never, ever, ever invite me to your church. How do we engage with these people? How do we share the gospel with them? These people are going to be reached by us getting in their lives and showing that we actually absolutely care about them. What happened with this slave girl? The apostle Paul, like he, he, verse 18 says he got annoyed. I get that. But he wasn't annoyed. His response to that wasn't annoyed and just run away from her. Right? A lot of times when we see people who are in trouble, who are in bondage, who are in real need, let's be honest, we go, I do not have the bandwidth for another needy person. I'm out. Right? I am not dealing with that. I, 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 I don't have the energy to engage with that. That's not what Paul did. Paul turned and spoke directly into the situation. Right? He engaged with her. Same thing for us. There are people in this town who are in bonds. And us throwing a mailer in their mailbox, asking them to come to an Easter service, isn't going to do it. We must love them enough to step into their lives and say, I will walk with you even if it takes forever. That's what Paul did with this girl. And there are some real practical ways that we do that around here. One is our homeless ministry that meets on Friday nights downtown. What do we do? There, we know there's a segment of our population that are not going to just come to church because we invite them and put something, you know, in there. Hey, they didn't, they're not going to see our post on Instagram and go, I should totally go to Southview this Sunday. So what do we do? We pack up every Friday night, and we go find them, and we just spend a couple hours in their life loving on them, sharing the gospel and seeking to disciple them in Christ. We go to them because we care for them. Another way, right across the street from us, we got Southview High School and Middle School. Uh, Pastor Ryan, our student pastor here has done a fantastic job of working his way into that school and building good relationships with the administration there. And they've opened it up. They just said, hey look, we got a lot of students in real need. We got a lot of students who come from some pretty messed up homes and we need adult men and women who come in and be mentors and tutors and helpers. We need the help. So Pastor Ryan's putting all that together, an opportunity for you, whether you have a kid that goes there or not, for you to step up and go, I can, I can go give an hour a week. I can do that. What are you doing? You're stepping into a life that probably may not walk across the street at first. We've got to go to them and show them the love of Jesus Christ. Another thing, foster care. I'll give you this last just practical thing, foster care. Are you aware that Cumberland County has more children in foster care and in need of foster care than any county in the state? Wake County has three times as many children. Mecklenburg County has almost five times as many children. But we have the most kids who need a loving family our county does and it is a sin against god if we as churches and christians don't stand up and say we'll do what we can to put a dent in that we'll do that now can everybody be a foster parent no that's not something everybody can do for a thousand different reasons but we as a church can stand up and say we want to do something about it we want to do what we can We want to step in. We want to help. We want to take a kid who's in need. We want to bring them in. We want to love them in Christ. And then last, our prison guards. These are the people who are wounded. And just like this prison guard, there are people who are wounded physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. This calls them to respond in a lot of different ways. Respond in anger or depression or anxiety or bitterness. Excessive shyness can be a response of woundedness. You stepped out once and you got hurt and you swore you'd never be in that spot again. And so now you just stand in the back. How do we reach these people? We show them radical grace and mercy and love, just like Paul and Silas did this Philippian jail. So I'm going to ask our, our band to come up. And, and I want to close this out and, and ask a couple of questions. One is this. For those of you here today who are followers of Jesus Christ, listen to me. As we went through this, as we thought about those who are starting to be stirred by God, as we talked about those who are enslaved to something, as we talked about those who are angry and bitter and wounded in whatever way, did anyone come to your mind? If so, I want to encourage you today, let's, let's stop and let's pray. And I want you to ask the Lord to show you how to step out and minister to that person. How God's going to empower you to love and care for and minister to them. And then for those of you here today who maybe aren't Christians. Are you in one of these three categories, or some combination thereof? No matter no matter what you came in here today as, no matter what you came in here today as, Jesus Christ desires to save you and make you new. If you came in here as someone who just attends church because you know you should, and man, I'm a good person want you to know today that Jesus Christ needs to make you new, you're not good enough. If you came in here today and you were in the throes of sin and you're in bondage and you're thinking, if you knew what I was doing literally six hours ago, you would not want me in this room right now. Jesus Christ today desires to set you free from that. Save you and make you new. Or maybe you're Wounded and busted up from something in your past. Now it's causing you to respond in all kinds of ungodly ways and blowing up lives around you. Jesus Christ desires to heal that wound and make you new. So salvation works like this. Um, So imagine you're thirsty, right? You've been outside working in the yard all day, you're thirsty. You say, I need something to drink. Someone brings you a glass of water. There are really kind of two steps to that process. First, you have to take that water from that person, and then you have to physically drink it. Right? It's not enough to take the water and go, thank you so much, and then you stand there. In order for it to do you any good, you have to drink it. Same thing with the gospel. There are kind of two parts to believing and receiving with this, okay? Number one, you have to believe that the only way you're going to be saved is jesus christ you can't save yourself you can't fix yourself you can't get yourself unstuck you can't get yourself out of bondage you can't heal your own heart you can't do it it's not possible you need jesus to do it you must see that and take that but listen to me we have people i believe in this room right now who stop there and that's not good enough It is not good enough to just know Jesus died on the cross and rose again and they have to believe in him for salvation. Have you personally taken it and received it and say, Jesus Christ, I need you to make me new. I trust you to take away my sin. I trust you to make me new inside and out. I throw my entire life onto you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. I want us to pray. And if that's not something that you have ever done, again, regardless of how you came in here and what your life looks like, that's not something that you have personally ever done, I encourage you today, do this. It's not enough to be a church member. It's not enough to be a part of a Christian family. It's not a, not enough to have a mom and dad who are Christians. It's not enough to be a good person. That's you holding the gospel like you would. If we were to ask you a question, you can give the answers to the test. Believe in Jesus and you're saved. Like you could do that, but have you personally taken it, trusted in Christ, and been made new? Today, I ask you to do that. Trust in Jesus and be made new. Lord, I pray over us here today that no matter what brought us into this place, God, no matter what our life has been coming into this point that today, God, we would see you and receive you as our savior and our lord. You would take us and make us new. Now pray, God, that you would stir up in us also how we can lead and love and care for those outside of this place who Who are far from you. If today you desire to believe by faith in Jesus Christ, just simply say, Jesus, I know that you died on the cross and you rose again. I'm asking you to save me. Save me. I need you. Take away my sin. Make me new. I can't do this on my own. And as you're doing that right now, afterwards, I want you to stand, I want you to sing this song with a new heart because Jesus Christ has saved you and made you new if you believe by faith in Him. And I want this to be the first proclamation of faith in Him that you give, you singing this song with the people of God. Then afterwards, I want to encourage you, come find me and tell me, Brad, I asked Jesus to my heart, I asked Him to make me new, I'm a Christian now. Jesus, I pray that you'll do this all over this room for your glory. We pray this in your name.
0: Amen. Let's stand and let's sing.
2: God
1: Now, saved us and made us new. All my days are now just going to bring glory to you because you have saved us. I pray God over this room right now, those who are perhaps struggling, they feel like their mind's racing 100 miles an hour, they don't don't know what to do, they feel like perfect picture of their life has been painted and and jesus has been set out as the answer but lord they don't know what the next step is and what does that mean i pray god a calming grace on them holy spirit that you would just guide their hearts to understand faith in you and empower us as a church to help them walk through that and help us lord god as a church to minister well to those out there in all different phases and stages of life Thank you, Jesus, for saving all of us, regardless of how we came into this thing. It is by your grace and your grace alone. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week.